Good morning, everyone, and welcome again to the Mine Up podcast, the podcast where we discuss all things mining and all things digital and the confluence of those two rivers. And we're always excited to welcome new guests to our podcast. And, and today will be no exception as we as we also welcome you as a listeners, of course. Uh, thank you for making the time to listen to the Mine Up podcast and, and remember to like and share and tell everyone else about it. As I said, today we've got a, a very exciting guest, exciting for us, um, as I'm sure he will be for you, Andrew Lane. Andrew is a senior partner at Deloitte Africa, where he leads the energy, resources and industrials practice, as well as the monitor Deloitte strategy capability and the CEO program at the Deloitte Executive Institute. Certainly a person to reckon with. And not only in Deloitte, but but uh, his professional career spans 32 years, including 18 years in consulting. He leads the strategy in operational improvement, organizational redesign and implementation projects with, with various industries, which includes mining, of course, utilities, revenue collection. I wish you wouldn't do that. Uh, general industry <laughs> aviation manufacturing. <laughs> okay, then we'll forgive you for that. Uh, and and even in media. So uh, Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you with us. You know, every year at uh, at mining in Dalba, I I see you introducing the the Deloitte Mining Report and others, and I see how how you are such a well known uh, person in the in industry. So for the Mind War podcast and for our listeners, it's great to, to have you with us as well. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. So I've, I've, I've told the, uh, the listeners a little bit about you, your background professionally. But other than being a South African, uh, for whom it is almost impossible uh, to avoid the mining industry, tell us a little bit, if you, if you don't mind, about how you got involved in the mining industry in general. How, and how did you get into mining? So you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting story. I mean, it, it was certainly not by design, and actually, it does have something to do with being South African. I was uh, uh, working many years ago, um, in probably about twenty years ago, with the one of with one of our competitor um, consulting firms uh, in our London office. My first mining project was in the UK. Uh, and it was one of those situations where, you know, you come from South Africa, you must know something about mining. <laughs> yeah. And I was sent, sent up to Doncaster to work on, on UK coal. And, wow. and, you know, kind of one thing led to another. I've never explicitly chosen to focus on mining, but you, you end up, you do a project, so you learn something. And because you've learned something, you get another project and you yeah. meet a few more people and you learn something else. And so you go, and almost just by accident, I've ended up doing most of my work in mining. It's it's been a it was a remarkable coincidence. And uh, was it a surprise to you to find that you were at home in mining? You know, I've always enjoyed working in in industry and and you know where where real people do real work. You know, yeah. so <laughs> I like to I like to go to mines. I like to go to factories. I like to go to places where where things happen. So I guess I've always been comfortable in an environment where you get to, you know, kind of go underground and 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 sort of see what mm. people do and play with the with the with the clever toys and all that kind of stuff. Mm. 
when we had uh, when we did the planning for this podcast, uh, John and and John, I, I just realised I forgot to say hi to you as well. Of course, as, as the host, and I'm the co-host of the <laughs> of, of the Minor P podcast. Uh, you know, but but John has always said, no, we've got to get Andrew on because do you know that he's got a history at Minor P? So so John, why don't you take that and and, and run with that a little bit? Yeah, so I know what the history is. Hello to the listeners. This is John who is speaking. Uh, so I'm not sure that we've compared our notes yet around this, Andrew. So you tell your story first. I, let me lead in by saying that I think that you are the one. Yeah, the first one. There was somebody before you that's not with Deloitte anymore, but that ne never got off the ground. A UK-based chap that you also referenced. How did uh, Deloitte South Africa get in touch of MinRP? And how, what was your role? So I, I think you, I think you, John, had spoken to a colleague of mine, John Woods, who was in Zambia right. at the time, a UK colleague. Right. colleague I, I was on a conference with him in Germany. Yeah. Yeah, when we first started out down our sort of innovation and digital journey in mining at Deloitte, um, I was having a, a, a cup of tea with our mutual friend, Chris Shepard, who was uh, at Anglo Gold Ashanti in those days. That's right. And I said to him, you know, wouldn't it be great if, and we were talking about digital twins and all that sort of stuff, and wouldn't it be great if you could replan a long-term plan in real time? And he just said, you must talk to Peter Nell at MineRP. <laughs> so, uh, so Peter and I had a meeting and that led to another meeting and then you know, more people got involved and you know, Reno got involved. I think you got it. You guys got involved. And it just there, and it just sort of happened from there. So, I I do like to think that I was I was there sort of at the beginning of this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So MB uh, on this podcast, then whatever the number is formally, we uh, allocate the the number one to Andrew. There can only be one number one. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's been a fantastic <laughs> journey with Deloitte so far. Then, well, I'm uh, glad it's gone so well. I mean, I think it's been a fantastic journey. Yeah. Then uh, when we decided to talk to you, I thought, what are we going to talk to Andrew about? I mean, he's so senior. He talks to CEOs of mines. You know, what can we possibly talk to you out from a podcast? So then I thought, let me look at your LinkedIn profile. And I've got a new rule, which, uh, which I will apply to people that we interview. I look at your last four posts or your likes or, or whatever activity that you have in LinkedIn. In your case, it worked. I had to go and look at my last four as well. And in that case, it didn't work. So I'll be watching my last four. And this was what you posted your last four. And then the question is that, is this sort of the focus areas, the things that uh, get you to get up in the morning and, and delight your customers? And they are in this order. Building trust requires leaders to act on a daily conscious choices. Secondly, you, you commented on Deloitte's insights. You said, uh, and this was an article about the value of re uh, resilient leadership, which also is about trust. Then um, energy scenarios in focus and then achieving net zero emissions at Deloitte in 2030. Is that a representation of what switches Andrew on? I think it's, it's a representation of what I think um, is topical at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. Just on the LinkedIn thing, I've, I've been over the years, I've been particularly unattentive to LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then our marketing people came to, came to me and said, you know, Andrew, you really should start doing something on LinkedIn. And by the way, please update your photograph. <laughs> I said, well, what's wrong with your photograph? She said, well, it looks like you're 23. I said, well, I am 23. <laughs> but anyway, so, I mean, just on a serious note, um, 
so I mean I think that these these four um, things that I liked on, on LinkedIn are a function I think of where, where we are as, 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 a, as a world right now mm -hmm. I think the resilient leadership um, and building trust I think that has really come to the forefront through the whole COVID thing I think if you cast your mind back to you know the early days of lockdown back in in um, in April um, it was very uncertain times um, you know businesses were closed down in fact if you remember the mining industry closed down for a few weeks and that was you know, it took a few weeks to get the, to negotiate to to get to get them opened up again um, so it was very uncertain times nobody really knew how things were going to work out economically and, and I really do think that that was the, the time for for leadership to step up and lead from the front uh, particularly in a virtual world where you can't you, know, you can't get out in front of your people um, so it really did I, I think this whole issue of, of, of leadership and building trust did come to the fore in COVID. And then the energy scenarios and net zero emissions. If I reflect on, I mean, you mentioned our, our Deloitte Tracking the Trends report, which you, which you publish every year. Um, the one thing which, which rocketed to the top of our trends in this, this last year was decarbonization. Um, you wow. know, I, um, I had a, I, 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 I moderated a panel at the ministerial symposium at Mining and Dob, and it so happened I had the same four CEOs on the panel as I had the previous year. Wow. And, and, I, and I said to them, so guys, what has changed from last year to this year? And one of them piped up. He just said, Greta Thunberg. <laughs> so, so decarbonization and climate, I think, is right at the top of the agenda right now. Oh, didn't realize. Uh, yeah. And uh, and certainly we're driving a bit of a campaign around that out of in Deloitte as well. Yeah, Andrew. Then in our preparation, I asked you. So, what are the things that you're focusing on, and that you know that you are driving forward in in Deloitte and with your clients? And you gave me five things from uh, you know from like you mentioned now this massive change still heading our way in uncertainty, all the way to authentic and purpose driven leadership. Could you take us through those five things that you uh, that we spoke about? We are living in times of massive change and uncertainty. You know, I think that um, one of the things COVID has taught us is you've got to plan for the unlikely. You know, mm. it, it, previously, it was okay to plan for like a most likely future plus or minus a bit. Um, now, I think uncertainty really has come has you know has come to roost, and, and it's become apparent that you have to plan for what's not likely to happen as well. Wow. Um, so, so I think we are we are doing more and more work around you know, helping clients plan for, for uncertainty, using scenarios uh, to test robustness of, of strategic choices, things wow. like that. Um, the other one I spoke about, I mean, there's a you'll see a, sort of some of these points come through a, a, a multiple times. But doing the right thing, trust and resilience, authentic and purpose-driven leadership are. On the points I spoke about a few minutes ago, I think it really, I think that um, society or business has realized that it does have a role in society globally. Mm -hmm. and, and particularly the extractive industries where we make a, you know, the initial impact is a negative one, the environmental and social. And, and we really do have a role in society and particularly extractive industries where, you know, governments of resource rich countries expect that their resource endowment would would be for the benefit of their people and their country. Yeah. Um, so there is a real expectation that that we we fulfil our role in society beyond just 
uh, delivering sh uh, profit to shareholders. And mm. we're doing a lot more work around this. It's what we call sort of value beyond compliance. Um, if you think about all of the the things we have to spend money on to comply, and things like the mining charter and scorecards and stuff like that. Um, and I think there's tremendous value to be had if you look at that slightly differently and, and look at those investments from an investment point of view mm. uh, and see them as an investment into a system of which you are also a beneficiary as opposed mm. to just a, a cost of compliance. Mm. So, so I think, I mean, I don't know that that kind of, those are some of the things that are top of mind for me right now. Mm -hmm. so if, I, if, I can, if I can maybe quickly just jump in there, uh, you know, uh, I see you talk about these uh, challenges, but there seems to have been a, uh, a, a tension between countries and mining companies, or I should say gov governments and mining companies that is being sorted out by a focus on sustainability and a focus on communities and so on. Do you think that tension is is improving at all? Are we making progress with the relationships between governments and companies? Look, it's a mixed bag. Certainly in this country, it's improved significantly. You know, I mean, I mm. think it's no secret that the the, 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 the the new minister runs a different ship to the yes. to the previous minister, and that at least the quality of the dialogue has improved, uh, and at least there's a, some sort of mutual understanding about how the economics of the industry works. So, so I do think it has improved. And I do think that, you know, in, in, in the main, the mining industry is trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I think where you do the right thing, you know, you, you, you come to the table with a lot more credibility and you have a more productive discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're chancing your arm and cutting corners and doing the wrong thing, then you find that there's not much trust around the table when you, when you come to the table. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's... It's, it's not consistent. I don't think any government has really cracked the code of how to yeah. regulate this industry. A place like Zambia, for instance, which has kind of chopped and changed their mining regulations on an ongoing basis. And, and you know, it's, it, it does spook investors when, when uh, governments appear to act unilaterally and, 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 uh, and sometimes um, in a way that's not expected. Mm. Yeah, it's these wild swings. It's, uh, you know, completely to the left and completely to, to the right. And what comes to mind is a recent uh, win by Biden. And what the people, uh, those that are only there for shareholder value says, oh, this is going to be the end of life as we know it. You know, econ economy is going to stop worldwide. And now we're going to see socialist policies. And then you see the reverse of that. So, yeah, I'm not going to ask you to comment if you don't want to. I think this is a hot potato. <laughs> Well, it's actually been quite interesting because I was having a conversation with one of my global colleagues the other day around our future of energy scenarios. Uh, and it was literally as we were watching the, the, the final vote count towards the end of last week. Uh, and it does, I mean, if you think about it from a future of energy point of view, the election, the US election outcome does make a difference mm. in terms of, of that continent stand on climate change. And also yes. in terms of, of global cohesiveness and and the ability of nations to work collaboratively together. Um, you know, I, th I think the, the previous president did a quite, quite a great job of dividing the, his country and dividing the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, and maybe this new, this new administration will bring things back together again a little bit. Yeah. The last question on, on this um, and, the, and the work that, uh, that, you, that you specifically are driving with the CEOs, et cetera, 
Um, where would you rate South Africa in terms of, you know, um, potential to improve, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on a scale of X or, you know, are we busy getting there? Are we, you know, only starting, you know? Look, there's definitely potential to improve, you know, because when you where we are, <laughs> it can only get better. Um, so, I, you know what, for me, the jury's out on, on, on this country. I, I think we are getting onto the right track. Is it too little, too late? I don't know. Can we sustain it? I don't know. You know, one of the problems with politics is the electoral cycle and, and, the, and the commodity cycle don't necessarily line up with each other. So who knows how things are going to go. But I certainly think that, that the, 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 the outlook is a lot brighter now than it was you know, a little while ago. Okay. That, that is kind of a segue into, into something else I wanted to talk to you about. And that is, you, you mentioned, you know, that you were kind of tapped as an expert on mining just because you came out of South Africa. That is kind of true. You know, that's South Africa and Africa, for that matter, has got a lot of experience and a lot of technology and a lot of knowledge that uh, that can be and should be applied in the rest of, of the world of mining. Um, competencies that are actually driven from Africa. Do you feel that Deloitte, uh, South Africa, um, and then specifically, uh, or, or generally, I should say, the mining industry out of South Africa still has a voice at the table and can still have a leading opinion? Well, look, I mean, if you talk, think about South Africans' contribution to mining, yeah, the, the, there are South Africans all over the world in, mine, in, in the mining industry. If I look at our Deloitte mining practice, uh, and I go yeah. to you know, our other centers of excellence being you know, Australia, Canada, and the UK, they're full of South Africans. You know? And you get <laughs> all these people with, with Canadian accents and, and Afrikaans names. Yeah. Um, so, so, so there's no doubt that South Africans continue to make an impact on uh, on the mining industry worldwide. And I think you know, I, I listen to uh, certainly those accents that you mentioned, but also uh, just the the very unique problems that we have here in in South Africa with regards to very deep mines and highly labour intensive mines and some of the organizational leadership models that emerge out of South Africa. You know, uh, it's, it's great to see people um, that are leading in other countries, but, but it's also necessary to, uh, I think, to just go back to our roots a little bit here and to see how much um, competency we still have here and if, if that is really applied and combined with the, with the resource riches that we have, you know, that's got to bode well for the industry if we can, if we can get the political leadership to, um, or rather if they can focus in the right place, there's, there's got to be hope still. Yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, there's got to be hope. Um, <laughs> and I think there are, a lot, there are an enormous amount of South Africans around the world that would come back if the outlook yeah. improved. You know, and, and you know, don't underestimate that. Yeah, people talk about regulatory, regulatory certainty. Um, there's more to that than just the fact that the regulations don't change. It's mm -hmm. what our politicians say and what our leaders say that investors look at. And they're very aware that, you know, we're only a few years from the next election. And, and will what we say now be consistent um, in, in, you know, in a few years' time? Um, yeah, I don't think we've yet landed on, on a kind of single sort of cohesive view of how to manage the economy 
and run the country going going forward. So there's still not, there's still uncertainty there. And one of the things that we, uh, from a minor P perspective, enjoy when we work with with Deloitte is the fact that we're working with a company that has an opinion and a vision of its own for mining here, but but globally as well. You know, we uh, we obviously like you deal with many many partners, and um, and these these partnerships only become really value adding when we have partners that have their own uh, strategies that we can kind of latch onto, you know, from both sides. And then one plus one makes three. Um, so these competencies that we see within your centers of excellence um, are so well aligned with ours uh, that that from a minor P perspective, the, the, the vision that Deloitte has, I mean, you were speaking about value beyond compliance and, and, and there's a variety of other things, even other partners that you bring to the table that as an ecosystem delivers value that is just way beyond what any single company could come up with by themselves. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we've done quite well as a firm is our is the ecosystem thing. I think we've, we've managed to, to, to figure out how to work with a very wide ecosystem of, of best of breed partners. Yes. Uh, and I think our intelligent mining um, sort of suite of services where we partner with you guys amongst others mm -hmm. is, is a great example of that. But, yeah. you know, we work on a global basis with SAP, Google, Amazon, you know, all, all, all of the famous names. And, um, and, and I think we were extraordinarily well positioned um, as a global partner to those organizations. You know, we're, we're, we're just, we, we're sort of north of a $46 billion business now globally. I mean, it's it's not a small business, you know. And it's, it's, wow. um, so we so we we do have we do have permission to play with some of those big guys. <laughs> Andrew, we need to bring this to a close. Um, some final thoughts on lenses or focus areas uh, for the mining executives listening into this podcast to plot the next thirty years. I think going. For, I think there are a couple of things, and and. I think we've spoken about a few of them. I, I, I would keep an eye on climate change and decarbonization. I'd keep an eye on, on the value beyond compliance, the social investor uh, role in society. I'd keep an eye on tech and digital. And actually, maybe more, most importantly out of all of those is the future of work. You know, mm -hmm. As we modernize and as the world changes and as we disrupt of work, workers and workplace, how you configure work and, and how you and how you 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 kind of get the right people and the right skills in the right place and yeah. properly configured, I think mm. is probably the single biggest issue going forward. Andrew, and you uh, Deloitte worldwide has practices around all of these that you've mentioned now, so that that's something that you guys can assist the thinking with. Absolutely. I mean, we. I mean, as I said, we're a global firm. We're we're in, we're pretty much in every country. We touch pretty much every organization on the planet in some form or fashion. We've got, uh, and you know, just on this continent, I mean, we've got physical presence in pretty much every country. Yeah, fantastic. We are so proud to be called uh, a partner of yours. Andrew, to bring this to a close, what are you reading? So um, I'm actually, if you believe it or not, I'm in the middle of, of Adrian Basson's book, Blessed by Brusasa. I, <laughs> I, I I've quite enjoyed these sort of state catcher type books, you know, Mandy Wiener's book and uh, and Peter Louis Myberg, I think his name. The main, the, the yeah. big book, main yeah. I read that was very good as well. Yeah. It, 
uh, so yeah, so that's that's what I mean. What I mean, what I'm busy with at the moment. Sure, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. We would love to have you on again and see you out there at the clients. Uh, cool. No, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so much, Andrew. Bye. Bye.